Welcome, birders. This is Ed Pullen, your host on the Bird Banner Podcast, where birders talk birding. For the last 10 days or so, I've been in the lower Rio Grande Valley of Texas. Some of my friends back home, I'm from Tacoma, Washington, asked me why on earth would you go to Texas in the winter when there's so many other better places you could go to get out of the rain. Well, I, ha- I have to tell them that if the lower Rio Grande Valley in Texas is a special place, it's the place where the, the Rio Grande River winds its way south and east and enters the Gulf of Mexico, but it's really like Mexico. Birds that are only, really only found in Mexico, except where they wander across the lower Rio Grande River into Texas and become Texas birds. So they get to be counted on my ABA list. So listers like me and ABA birders from all over have a must-go-to place in Lower Rio Grande Valley if they want to find these birds. And winter is a great time to find vagrants that wander up across the border. And it's a great time to be here because it's not blistering hot like it can be in the summer. And things are just not quite as busy in terms of overall uh, chase of birding like the air and spring migration when the, the Gulf Coast of Mexico from South Padre Island all the way north is just awash with warblers and all sorts of vagrant, uh, all sorts of migrants. But at this time of year, it's just more of a resident population of birds with vagrants stray up here. And so there are a lot of special species that can really only be found down here. The Aplomato falcon is one of those. It's a it's a native species to this area that was extirpated here. It's been reintroduced and is now listable as an ABA species. And there are a handful of other birds that really can only be found here. Morlet seed eater is one of those. Uh, what else? The clay-colored thrush is another one of those. There are a handful of birds that can only be found here if you want to find, get them on your United States or ABA list. So I was excited to have a chance to get out of the rain, get away for a while, and be down here. And I was really excited because I got to have two of my really good birding buddies come with me. Ken Brown, Ken was my first guest on the Bird Banner Podcast way back in episode two. Ken is my longtime best birding buddy and we have done lots of adventures together as birders and it was so cool to have Ken down join me for nine days here. And I also got to have Bruce Labar down. Bruce was my other close birding buddy from back home and he uh, came down with Ken and me and we spent the last nine days birding in the Lower Rio Grande Valley. Typically, when Ken and I go on a trip, we are just racing around to find birds. Usually I have a limited amount of time in any one area. We're dashing here and dashing there and building our list and seeing as much as we can and just expending every bit of energy we can possibly burn to find the birds in a certain area. Well, this was a much more relaxed trip, so it was just really nice to have day after day. We'd get out, we'd go to places a second time if we wanted to. We didn't have to hurry to find birds. We could just bird the areas and the birds would come to us if we we're gonna find them. So it was really nice. And having Bruce along adds a great dynamic. Bruce is such a good birder and has good patience, good instincts, and is also just easy to be around. Really, uh, really a great guy to go birding with. So we had a terrific, terrific time here. Uh, Texas has changed a lot since I first came here. I first came here, well, I really first came here as a birder uh, when I was in the Army at West Point and really a beginning birder. And I got a temporary duty assignment to San Antonio, Texas, to San Antonio, Texas, where I uh, found a few species in the summer. Uh, I found a summer tanager and a few other species, I think it was in the spring. and 
got to see just a few Texas specialty species. It was nice, uh, really migrant species. But the first time really birding here was with Kem on a trip we took way back in 1996. And we spent 11 days in Texas, started out in Houston, worked our way across the Edwards Plateau, all the way down to the valley, back up the coast, just drinking in birds. Fabulous trip. Six of us came along. Uh, Ken led the trip. I was sort of a, uh, a fairly young birder at the time and learning my way around. But it was a great trip. Got a lot of birds. But that was uh, one of these whirlwind-paced trips that was a different experience. The other two times I've been here was with Kay, and we came down to the Rio Grande Birding Festival in 2016, and uh, that was great too. And we were in Texas for a wedding a year after that, but really didn't get down to the valley. Uh, so from the time Ken and I were here over 20 years ago until now, the whole birding community in this area has just exploded. Uh, there's really uh, uh, ecotourism component of the Lower Rio Grande Valley to Texas. There's an organization called the World Birding Center. Leave it to Texans to name their area of birding the World Birding Center, uh, where nine different areas have been developed that are part of a single organization with various uh, fish and wildlife and governmental agencies and private concerns uh, contributing to make nine areas that are highly available to birders and really customized to be birding places. Uh, a lot of wildlife refuges and other natural places, state parks, national parks, certainly birders go there, do really well, but they have multiple purposes. These places are really specifically set up for visiting birders. Uh, and so they have bird feeding uh, operations, the habitat especially groomed to make it really excellent for birds and these are terrific places to bird. We really enjoyed visiting some of those areas uh, and the whole area is really very very welcoming to birders. The other thing I noticed is that even in the last few years since I, I was I've been vegan for about five years now when I was here at the birding festival I can remember uh, at the festival itself trying to find something to eat in the morning and I ended up with a, a bagel with peanut butter, which was fine. Uh, but I remember the comment from one of the women working at the station was, you know, we're all, st we're all still trying to get used to y'all's type down here, talking about vegans. It was really completely foreign to them that somebody didn't want uh, bacon and eggs for breakfast. But this time, it was really quite more accommodating. Last night, I went to a, a, a regular old Mexican restaurant, actually quite an upscale Mexican restaurant with Ken and Bruce. And we went in, and I was explaining to the waitress that I didn't, didn't, I wanted to see if I could find something that didn't have animal products in it. She says, "Oh, are you vegan?" And I said, "Yes." And she says, "Oh, well, a lot of vegans who eat there, they really like it when we do this. We have an enchilada, and we just replace the chicken with vegetables. It's delicious. We leave the cheese off, and it's perfect." And it was, it was delightful. So it's so such a difference in such a short period of time that's made too, for people who choose to not eat animal products to visit this area. It's much more vegan friendly than it was just three or four years ago. So I thought that was really impressive. Uh, but we've had just such a nice time birding. We got around to a lot of places uh, and we talk about those during the episodes. So I'll, I'll leave that, at, that where it is. And so welcome to the Bird Banner Podcast, episode number 46, Ken Brown and Bruce Labar, where we talk to you about Lower Rio Grande River Valley birding. So hey guys, uh, Ed Pullen here with Ken Brown and Bruce Labar. We're wrapping up a big week in the Lower Rio Grande Valley and thought we'd talk about it a little bit. Bruce, what was your favorite part of the week? Uh, <clears throat> probably all of it. Um, every day was really packed. 
Um, we birded from dawn to usually five or six o'clock and saw some wonderful areas around McAllen. Got to go to Brownsville. Um, and so, yeah, I like everything about it. Yeah, how about you? Well, I think it was nice just to be able to kind of take a slow approach to the game and um, visit a lot of places I'd never been to. But I think I like that day at Boca Chica and the Brownsville dump. That was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. <laughs> the Brownsville dump is a, is an icon of North American birding. It used to have the, I, I'm going to butcher the word, uh, Tamalapus Tamalapus crow uh, there, and that hasn't been there in a few years. But it's a great place. We had greater, uh, excuse me, lesser blackback gallery. That was pretty cool, and just masses of birds. Oh my goodness. Clouds. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah, laughing gulls. Gulls, just, gulls, just gulls, gulls, more gulls with both vultures and blackbirds all over the place. And just uh, wonderful. And the wind to our backs, so it didn't smell. That was nice. That was very nice. <laughs> Bruce said last time he was here that he was downwind of everything and he splattered. Oh, we were up on a hill. <coughs> we were just getting hammered. But we did get the crow that time. That was, yeah, I think, yeah. 2000. I, I probably, yeah, 2018 the, or something like that. Taking the splatter for the crows. So that was, <laughs> that was nice. I agree. That, that, that time at, uh, at Boca Chica, even though we couldn't get on the beach, we thought we'd be able to, on the drive-in in the wildlife refuge before, all those reddish egrets. Oh, my goodness. Over 100. Yeah. I think we said 140, 140 with about 30 or 40 of them, the reddish color and the rest white. It was spectacular. The other way around, about 40 from the whitish color and the rest red. Yeah. Yes, red, mostly so red. It was really spectacular. It had been a long time since I'd seen reddish egrets like that. Yeah. It was like you know, we saved our bacon. We were going to drive on the <coughs> beach. We had it all planned out. It looked so good, so cool. Go to the Rio Grande, go to the jetty. We came back and all of a sudden we couldn't Ooh. do it. So we came back and wow, there were shorebirds everywhere. It was so yeah. cool. And then we struck out on the on the Appalachian Falcon that day, driving on the yeah. rutted road, almost oh, bombing right. out everywhere oh, on the old Portobello yeah. Isabella Road. But uh, not to fear, we got it later. That's yeah. true. Yeah, that was nice. Lifer, right? lifer for Ken. <laughs> second time for Ed. Probably second, third or fourth for Bruce. So, uh, yes, are, second time. That, yeah. That's you know that's a, another yeah. cool reintroduction story. Oh, I mean, yeah. that they're very. Cool. They seem like. I don't know, it seemed like smaller numbers maybe than the condors, but maybe a less major concerted effort for them too. Right. Almost certainly less less effort. My other favorite thing was I you know, Ken and I and Ed, we all needed new birds down here and I had three targets and I got them and that was spectacular to be able to get um, the forktail flycatcher that's been down here for almost two weeks now, yeah, I think. Yeah, it's really thick. And then we got the hook-billed kite. We had excellent looks and photos, perched, and that was amazing. I tried two times before and never got it. And then be able to get an Audubon's Oriole. That was a lifer. The other two birds I'd seen in Mexico and other that places. That was a big one. That was a big one, and uh, I was getting a little antsy because... Uh, it was, we were at a place and Ed and Ken both got it right away and I had to wait a while. I was going, oh, but it came back. So. It came back for better. So those, those, those were really my highlights, being able to, to see those birds and then everything else was great. But the hookbill kite experience was pretty cool, finding it perched. I mean, you usually see it soaring high overhead. And the fact that we were the first group to the viewing tower at Santa Ana, right. and everybody after us walking up the tower, they get about three steps from the top, and we say, 
I want to see the hook bill kite. And they go, yes, they rush up the last three steps and look through the scope. And there it was, and they move along, and five minutes later, a couple more people would show up and would show up. It just sat there for it was, 25, 30 it, it was, minutes. It was cool, too, because we were, were looking in our scopes, and we were looking two, three miles, I don't know how far away, just every hawk oh, we yeah. could see, is we were it? looking at is it from the distance. Right. We no, that's that's the that's a Harrison's hawk. Yeah. yeah. And here it is sitting just right. so close. And Ken was the one that saw it come in. It wasn't yeah. sitting there until you well, saw it. Yeah, yeah, I saw it right yeah. now. Yeah. So that's when it settled. Ken, Ken was kind of our King Cobra for finding birds this week. He, he, did, he, yeah, really he found the, the hawk and you found well, the fork tail. I mean, it flew right up over your head. <laughs> yes, it did. It helped me out a lot. <laughs> yeah, that was nice. That was really cool. Fork tail flycatcher is a, a vagrant species to North America and it just shows up here. And, and, and I'm, I'm, my understanding is notorious as being a shows up for a day or maybe two and is gone. So okay. it's a really hard bird to chase. So unless you happen to be in the area where it shows up or drivable distance or really close, pretty hard. You can't just drop everything and go get it usually. So mm -hmm. it was really nice that it came about five days before I got here. And the first day I got here, I went out and got it. I waited about three hours and it finally showed up for about 12 seconds. Uh, but I got a look and a picture is great. And then the same time when we went, we went a couple of three hours, we waited, 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 waited. a quarter. A lot of people, a lot of people hours. came and went. <laughs> a lot of people came and went, and then showed up. But this time, really good views. Well, then so we ran, close. Then we ran into people and said, "Oh yeah, we were there for twenty seconds, and there it was." You yeah. know, it's like, oh. Yeah. But the bulldog <clears throat> persistence paid off for us on time. And it stayed around. You know, just across the road from us for yeah, what, what, 10, 15 minutes? Yeah. As long as we wanted. So a long time we left. Yeah. yeah, that was very so cool. Well, That's the other nice. part I liked was the diversity that the, every day was in, usually in different places, along the river, over to Brownsville. Then we, today we went inland to some, like a salt lake and yeah. and we, you know, into mesquite, mesquite and, cacti, <laughs> and cactus and so we, we got a really good flavor of the real We really got all the essentials. We got a dump, we got a treatment <laughs> pond, we got a cattle feedlot. I mean, we have all of the key oh, the elements cattle, of a bird. The cattle feedlot, talk about blackbirds. I mean, thousands, thousands. Plus, snow geese were in with the cows. Which, with Ross? Yes. And with the Ross, yeah. That was just amazing. Yeah, very cool, very cool. And uh, so there were just a lot of really different experiences for me. You know, just having you guys come down was really big. Well, uh, and we appreciate I mean, it. It was just, you know, getting together with good buddies and going birdie for nine days. I, I mean, know. that's a nice chunk of time. And as Ken mentioned, we didn't, this, I mean, this is not a really big area. <clears throat> Lower Rio Grande Valley, you know, you drive 90 minutes and you can pretty much get to anything. Uh, and a lot less for most things. Right. Uh, and so we got to just, you know, we take our time. We birded places. We pretty much saw what was there. I thought that the place we went to today, was uh, the, uh, the uh, what was the name? Brushline Road. Yeah, well, Brushline Road and, and, and the, last and place. the uh, Salt Lake. Uh, no, the last place we the just went. Oh, went. that park. Yeah, the Edinburgh. Ed Edinburgh. Edinburgh. Scenic Wetlands. Yeah, yeah. nice. Place. World Birding Center. Yes. Yeah, yes. I, I have to read about this whole World Birding Center movement. I haven't There's, quite figured that out. There are nine places down here that are sort of connected somehow yeah. to this World yeah. Birding Center. Yeah. I don't very, know if it's, very really well a, if it's really a World Birding Center or just Texas considers itself the center of the birding world. I'm not sure how that works. <laughs> yes, but, which is which. Yeah, which is which. But <laughs> one way or the other, it is it is a nice thing that they've done. To, you know, <clears throat> and they're really first class. I mean, 
visitor centers and maps? And Most of them. I don't know about Roma Bluffs. Well, yeah, <laughs> well, it wasn't open. And it wasn't open either, so we don't know what well, the inside was. We were there before, we were there before eight. The visitor center might have been nice. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you that. Well, and then some of these places like uh, Salonino, the, where they had all the feeders set up. Oh, oh my yes. gosh. It just, you know, J Green Jays and... Altamira, Orioles, it was Cardinals. Beautiful. It was beautiful. And, it was and, just unbelievable. And I thought, get, we, we burned it at Salonino uh, for three hours, maybe yeah. more in the morning, yeah. and trying mainly trying to get a Morlet seed eater, which is a really unusual bird in North America. Just It literally is seen on the north bank of the Rio Grande River in a small segment. Uh, That's and true. It, uh, and it, it Ken hadn't seen that for a life bird yet, and so we really wanted to get it, and we didn't, didn't get it in the morning. So we, we spent quite a bit of time looking for it, although it was a great place to be. Uh, and so we went up to left Salonia, oh, went to Falcon Dam State Park, right. which was pretty, I mean, that, I mean, that was an experience. That, that older yeah. couple who's in their RV, feeding the birds, and they had marshmallows stuck on twigs. The craziest thing you ever saw. And Ken doesn't want us to talk yeah, about but that. There must have been a dozen orange crown warblers oh, yeah. on, on these marshmallows. It was, it was pretty amazing. Yeah, so they were just devouring these marshmallows and peeled on the, the spiky thorns yeah. of bushes. That was it's really funny. cool. And, and a lot of other birds, too. I mean, it was very birdy around there, yeah. around their law. And then we were able to come back. And then we came back to Salonino, and Bruce found the uh, seed eater. And that was enough, just like you needed the, uh, the Oriole. Uh, Oriole. Right. Ken needed the seed eater, so of course you found it. I got on it right away, and it took maybe another 20 minutes or more for, for to refine it. Ken refound it. And oh, I was got nice bullets. <laughs> that's, that's one of those birds that the female is kind of drab looking, but the male is pretty good. Yeah, pretty it used nice. to be called white collared seed eater, and it has a beautiful white collar and a dark head. And, and we got great looks at it, so that was really special. Very cool. It was very special for very me. Cool. It, for me, it was interesting too. You know, I I've been down here in 1976, and then I came down and two years ago, and just to see the changes in this area, especially with the wall happening, and all the border patrol, and all the surveillance that's going on. I mean, high helicopters and blimps and. It, it's pretty it's pretty weird in some of the areas, but it really didn't hinder us in birding, and we never got stopped or anything, but yeah. there's a lot of places that you can't go anymore that I remember years ago you could go, and uh, and it's all because of security concerns. I thought seeing the protest wall at the National Butterfly that was pretty, was pretty cool. cool. Yeah. Uh, a bunch great. of artists got together and put up a wall facing Mexico and put up... A, I think it says that welcome. The welcoming the, wall. The welcoming wall yeah. facing Mexico and all this art murals on the, on the right. uh, side facing there. It was really cool. <laughs> yeah. And I think the National Butterfly Center has been a really active force oh. in opposing the wall. Well, put forth and, the big and one of the things is they want to put the wall almost right through that, that right. center. And, right. you know, that would be terrible. The, the other experience you have with the wall, and I, I knew about this because I'd been to the Sable Palm Sanctuary before, but when you drive to the Sable Palm Sanctuary, it's on the other side of the wall. It's on the, the Mexico slash river side of the wall. And the crazy thing about the wall is it's just big openings where the roads go through. There's a wall, all this concertina wire, just crazy stuff keeping people Which, out enough, and a 35-foot opening for the road to go through. Yeah. Just And nobody there. Right. <laughs> Come on, all you got to do is walk through the road. Uh, it seemed kind of nuts, so... Uh, 
yeah, if you can tell, maybe the three of us are not huge uh, proponents of uh, building a wall. That's for sure. I think that's a fair, <laughs> fair statement. Uh, so we, uh, it was kind of a cool day up at Laguna Atascosa after we found the Falcon too. It was poor weather and not great visibility, but it was fun getting that little overlook we had over the, the lagoon. And I think a surprising thing for me was, you know, we got down here and it was really hot and muggy. It was 85 degrees. And I'm going, yes, after leaving Tacoma and rain and 40 degrees. And we, well, actually, we left when there was some snow around. And then for two days, it was really hot and muggy. And then it changed into the 60s and 40s at night. Yeah. I mean, we get up in the morning. I was wearing my jacket and sweater. And a couple of times it got really cold. And course throughout the day it would warm up but, yeah. but that surprised me i joked that the, the days the last three or four days have gone <laughs> that it was a little too cold for around 9 30 at 10 and then just right for about a half an hour and then it's a little too hot the rest of the day it's although true. it hasn't been really hot but you know there's that little as the elevation of temperature goes up it goes right through the sweet spot for just a short time before you shedding clothes as fast as you can probably as a public service too we should let people know if they are coming and planning to go to laguna Escosa that most of it is closed. There is a tram that goes through. Yeah, some sort of tram. That's what I, I think they have a, 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 they take you on a sort of a burning trip. But train. it goes for like four hours or so. Right. And you have to pay, so I, I, I'm I, I sure. I don't know if you have to pay for oh, Maybe not. Maybe you don't, I don't know. But anyway, that is the way to get around. Years ago, when we went, 25 years, so you could drive around the whole refuge. Well, also, at that time, you could drive into and all around Benson Benson Rio. So a lot of those places have been closed uh, to traffic. Sure. That's a trend around the country somewhat, but Benson Rio is because of the immigration issue of the wall. Sure. Uh, what else? Anyway, uh, we had a great time. We pretty much just stayed in, in a home uh, and drove around in a car, just a plain old front wheel, I think, I don't know, a sedan. So right. the roads here are pretty easy. I'd say the only road we had that was of any issue was that old Port Isabella Road, and that would, I don't think you could do it in the rain, but if you yeah, can right. if you can put your wheels where you want them, other times it was pretty safe and cool. Uh, I thought, I thought Ansel Dulles was, Ansel Dulles, excuse me, was one of our best days. Yeah, it's just day. a small county park, and it, it, it was hopping. There's a lot of stuff there to see, and it's very fun. Yeah. Outside, uh, right outside Ansel Dulles Park, there's a, uh, oh, probably a, a fairly large field, a, a agricultural field, hasn't looked like it hadn't been used to grow anything for maybe a year or two. And we found out later from a, a couple we met today that it had been disked, uh, you know, in preparation for planting or something, maybe a week ago or so. Uh, and just probably just a day or two before we were there. And because of that, Lots of uh, ground-dwelling animals, mice and foals or whatever, were displaced, and there were just vast numbers of hawks there. Oh, I mean, the, they said they had 60 white-tailed hawks there. We had a bunch, bunch. Uh, and had puzzled over those young ones with the white breasts for a little bit to figure out what they were. Uh, we had the Harlan's hawk, red-tailed hawks. Swainsons. 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 An, an immature Swainsons that seemed to be overwintering. Harriers, Merlin, Peregrine. Yeah, all three falcons. Somebody said, yeah. said they had a ferruginous there. I don't know about that, but maybe. But it was just amazing how <clears throat> just something like harrowing a field can bring in maybe a hundred raptors to the same field, and, and they all seem to be doing okay. And we all got our state, maybe not all of us, but we got a state house finch. Yes. <laughs> yes <I laughs> and the what, house finches down in the, around the Rio Grande are very yeah. rare. 
and this one park has like six of them. And St. Louis has them. Yeah. And the funny thing, I remembered where they were, because when I was here on the festival, they took us there looking for House Finch, and I checked my notes, and we didn't find it, but we looked for it around that restroom. Wow. And somehow, I remembered to go to that restroom and there to they look were. for them, and there they were this that's, time. That's so funny. That's pretty Bruce Fallon. Where, where they're like, in, at my house, I have them all over the place. You know? Yeah. Yeah, what a chase. <laughs> seems like a bird with a that's found all over uh, the United States. With well, a, and, with and a, also at this park, there's a rock wren that's been seen there every day. And we, all the three of us, we missed it, but... I mean, you know, it's we've all had rock runs in Washington, of course, so it's not really a huge miss, but still. Yeah. Still, we went back, and it, yeah. That, that day, that was our day of picking up loose ends. We looked for the rock run, and we went and got the hooded oriole. That's right. At, uh, right. Back yeah. at uh, Which is un unusual in the wintertime yeah. down here. Hooded oriole's a breeder in the summer. I don't think in big numbers, but a breeder in right. the summer. Right. And uh, we got a first-year male that looked like a uh, uh, first-year bird, at least. Uh, yeah. For, for a state tick and a nice look at a cool bird. Orioles, you know, big orange birds. This was a yellow bird because it wasn't full breeding plumage, but it's still pretty cool. And just up on top of that snag, right, very nice. Right. I'm glad uh, we went outside instead of sitting. I don't think we'd have seen that from inside. We no, it would have been up too high. Oh yeah. Anyway, everybody is tired, so I am not going to keep these guys for a long <laughs> episode of the podcast. I see we we leave tomorrow. We They're leave. They're going to fly off in the morning. And or I afternoon. will fill in some details of the trip around this uh, little chat. And I appreciate you guys taking the time away from your packing, getting ready for bed to do that. And now it's probably almost 8 o'clock, so everybody's getting tired here. A uh, bunch of old men. <laughs> well, and those of you coming down for Ed's um, trip later on, you're really in for a really good yeah. trip. Well, it was really nice to have you guys scout with me. Yeah. And uh, figured out, yeah, I think we're going to have, I, I'm leading a, a trip for the ABC Birding Club down here leading in a sense. I'm hosting some people down here <laughs> and we're going to go birding together. I'll try to show them some birds and uh, I think we're going to do really well. I think we're going to do really well. If the birds, if, if it's good, if it's as good then as it is now, we'll do just fine. Uh, but I'll have to tell everybody to, I told them, just want a light coat, maybe a medium weight coat. <laughs> I had a, a sweater. Coat. Yeah, I had a sweater and mittens and gloves. No, 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 no. Long <laughs> underwear. Yeah. 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 yeah, it's not that cold. But the mornings are brisk, especially if there's a breeze or some little foggy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, can be can be a chill. Anyway, the Lower Grand Valley rocks. We had a great week, and we got to get these guys home safely tomorrow. What are we doing tomorrow? We're going to try for Burrow Owl, and we're going to try for Bronze Cowbird. We kind of have places to go for both of those before they go to the airport. Right. So, I'll let you know later whether we get them. Until next time, take care. Good birding, guys. Well, I really want to thank Ken and uh, Bruce for staying up and doing that with me. We got home from our last day, full day of birding, and everyone was tired. We just had dinner. They wanted to pack their bags and go to bed. And I said, come on, guys. we got to record a podcast episode. And they did it with me. I was really happy. Uh, I want to talk about a few things we mentioned during the episode. Uh, the World Birding Center. Uh, it is uh, a local Texas, uh, local Texas organization uh, with multiple uh, sources of funds and, and resources, but it has nine places. And we actually visited six of those places during our time birding here. Maybe my favorite of those places was the Edinburgh Scenic Wetlands. That's an area right, right in Edinburgh. Uh, it's right adjacent to a big uh, city park, sort of duck pond, uh, but it's just a fabulously 
easy place to bird, and it was very birdy when we were there. We got there in the afternoon, which many places we went to in the afternoon were just quiet, hard to find a bird. Well, this place was just hopping. We had several species of warbler. We had lots of other birds. We had both night herons, yellow crown and black crown. We had all the egrets, not reddish egret, but all the freshwater egrets. And uh, it was just a really, really cool place to be. So we just spent maybe three hours just wandering those trails, going around each trail maybe three times. Found a lot of birds and had a terrific time. It was just a great place to bird. Uh, so really, really happy we went there. It seemed a little out of the way and maybe a place we could miss. But boy, I'm, I'm definitely going to bring the group there when they come down to visit. Other places I really liked, we talked quite a bit uh, about uh, some of them, but Benson Rio Grande uh, Valley State Park has uh, become a part of that. That's a tough place to bird, but a really cool area also. Uh, the Roma Bluffs is just really an overlook of the Rio Grande. It's very scenic. It's very high up. You're looking way down at the river at an at a, a arid uh, hillside. And apparently a lot of good birds can be there. It was cold and windy and early in the morning we were there, but even before the center opened at eight. But, uh, but it, we had a, this cool spot, I think uh, could be really good at other times. We did not go to South Padre Island at all. Uh, and we did not go to a place I wish we had gone to, Resca de la Palma in Brownsville. On looking at the website for that, it looks like it might be a better place to bird now than the Sable Palm Sanctuary. The Sable Palm Sanctuary was really dry. Uh, There's very little water. A lot of the palm trees seemed like they were dying. And, and it just wasn't terribly birdy, even though we got there first thing in the morning expecting a lot of birds. It was pretty quiet. And I think that's because there's been a, a relative drought for the last several months here in the valley. And just places are very dry. Uh, but it looked to me like, and I'm definitely going to check it out during the rest of the time here. Maybe I'll let you know about that, uh, that the... Uh, the other place, Aresca de la Palma in Brownsville, might be a, a better place to go birding these days. So I want to check that out. It's a little tiny place right here in McAllen called Quinta Mazatlan. Uh, really cool spot. Small area, beautiful mansion, some historic sites around. Has a lot of bronze sculptures, I think 30 some bronze sculptures, wildlife type sculptures, which was you know different for a birding spot. They've really put a lot of recesses into that. But the trails were nice and the habitat was nice. It's maybe a two minute drive from the airport here in McCallum. And that's a place I'm gonna go back to also. It was quite quite birdy, even though we were there in the evening. Uh, one of the workers there showed us our only paraki of the trip, uh, as they do in the daytime, roosting in plain sight, but you can't see them because they, their coloration is just the same as the under understory, and they just blend right into the ground perfectly. Uh, but we got a got a nice look at a, at a paraki there. We also got some warblers. We got our first look at yellow-throated warbler there, which was very nice. Uh, so I had a good time birding there. That's a place I definitely recommend. Uh, and uh, we went to a place called Old, Old Hidalgo, Old Hidalgo Pump House. Uh, probably better Spanish pronunciation, Hidalgo. Uh, and that is a place where the original pump, the steam pump, that pumped water from the Rio Grande to irrigate all of Hidalgo County uh, worked. It has a historical museum there, but it has a nice loop and it's pretty good birding there. We enjoyed being there too. Uh, other places we went to, we did not go to the Harlingen Arroyo, Colorado. Uh, but of course, we went to Estero, Estero Llano Grande. Uh, Estero Llano Grande translates to Big Flat Estuary. 
Uh, and I, I like the name because it is a big flat estuary. It's a nice, nice story to that estuary too. Uh, Ducks Unlimited money and other resources went to uh, re-restoring a wetland to a place that had been a cotton farm uh, that went out of business and was uh, just left fallow. Uh, and they sc scooped out places for water to be uh, pumped in or irrigated from the, uh, filled up with the Rio Grande River water. And uh, they, it's a really cool place now. It's got terrific habitat. And it's really, again, set up for birders, feeding stations, hummingbird stations, uh, bird blinds, uh, and nice trails out through the, uh, out through the marsh areas. Uh, so you can see both, uh, both night herons there, lots of ducks and waterfowl, uh, nice habitat for shorebirds, probably one of the better places we had to see shorebirds there, lots of least sandpipers, uh, dowchers, greater yellow legs, that sort of thing. So it's a really nice day there and I certainly recommend Estero Grande for anyone who comes to this area. Uh, so we had a great time checking out the World Birding Center areas. Uh, the other place Ken mentioned uh, about Laguna Atascosa, the roads being closed. Years ago there, you could drive through the refuge. You can't do that anymore. And he did mention tours. Well, I checked it out. The tours start at 8.15 and 1 p.m. There are two to three hour tours with very, a, a bunch of stops and some short walks. You can stay with the, the bus on the short walks. You can join the naturalist on the walks. Uh, and they start at 8.15 and 1 o'clock, take two or three hours. And they are, there is a fee, it's $4 to go on the tram for anyone over 15, under 15 is free. So that sounds like a, a very reasonable uh, option for someone who wants to get around uh, the Laguna Atascosa National Wildlife Refuge, but it's not for a really lot of walking. It'd, it'd be a huge amount of walking to try to get around that refuge. So probably one of the ways to get out and see the various areas we can check out what's what's happening for birds. Unfortunately, probably the staff to stay on the schedule of the tram. If you found good birds, you couldn't spend a long time, suss them out, you'd have to just keep moving. But that's a nice, nice option to know about. Uh, so I had a great time birding uh, with Ken and Bruce. Now I'm gonna have several days here where I'll just get out by myself or maybe I'll have Marion come with me. We'll see how that all works out. Uh, but are looking forward to birding here for the next several days. And then my group from ABC Birding is going to come down. So I'm excited about that too. From the 5th to the 12th, there's going to be 12 of us here birding. Four car three cars, 12 birders. We're going to hit it hard and see what we can find. So I'm hoping I can show some birds to some Tacoma folks. Uh, so that looks like fun to me. And, and to, I'll make sure I put up a blog post with some of this stuff. Also some photos from the trip. Uh, you can follow me on Facebook, Bird Bander on Facebook, where I'll have a lot of the photos too. Uh, and until next time, good birding. Good day.